Matthew chapter 25. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour, until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, saying, That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, This man is called Elijah. And one of them at once ran and was him, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed, put it on a gate to him, and came into him. But the others said, Elijah said, Let us see whether Elijah will come to sign him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, and filled it up. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the earth shook, and the rocks were still the rocks. The tombs also were possible, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs, after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and the centurion were with him, those who were keeping watch over Jesus, he saw the earthquake, and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. Amen. I wonder if you watch someone die. If you have, I'm sure you will agree that it's a very solemn moment. If you have experienced that, what words did you say to the person in the last week, perhaps? I've been around the bedside of my family, my own, my parents, my daughter, my daughter, and they took their final breath. When my mother died, I remember clearly seeing her take the last breath and take my family and they around in the room. She was gone. I wept and I hugged her and I remember being the next one. What rare and precious time is on the place and never can be forgotten. What are some of the words that you have said if you have been at the bedside of someone who is dying? If that person is a Christian, perhaps you said something along the lines of, I'll see you in heaven, I'll see you. Or to immense tears, you said something like, thank you for the father you've been, or mother, or sister, or brother, or friend. Or perhaps it's said nothing for a while, except shed a few tears of grief and pain. There are many ways, aren't there, in which people have responded in the face of death to someone they knew and loved. Well, our text tells us of the somewhat different response to the death of Jesus by a hardened soldier and men under his charge. Someone known for having been more than the crucifixion and seen many others die of his terrible death on the cross. And the gospel writer Mark tells us that it was this Roman centurion standing at the foot of the cross where Jesus died who spoke his words. Truly, he was the Son of God. Interesting words, aren't they? Amazing words, because I'm a soldier. Matthew said that the centurion and his men said, truly, this was the Son of God. Evidently, he spoke on behalf of his men as well. And I'll come back to that in a moment. But let's look first at the circumstances in which the centurion spoke his words. As a centurion, this man was in charge of a hundred soldiers. He was in charge of the execution squad at the crucifixion. He would have known all that would have taken place and the lead up to the crucifixion of Jesus. And being in Jerusalem for some time, no doubt he would have heard all this man, Jesus, is Nazareth. And people were talking about, talking about his death, how people were following him. Perhaps he also knew about the end of his own life. Another centurion who had his daughter healed by this man, Jesus. And he miraculously No doubt he would have heard also about the other miracles that Jesus had done. And the people with leprosy, raising Lazarus, and the widow's son from the dead, and so on. He would have heard the claim of Jesus, who he was, why he came to us, and so on. All of Jerusalem would have been talking about this man, not only because of his popularity with people, but also because he faced trouble from the Jewish establishment throughout his ministry. And the Jewish establishment did have some big issues with Jesus, seeing him to be a blasphemer, and the worst of sinners because he slain because he could be God, and that he never put on well for the Jews. The leaders of the Jews, he was a Sabbath writer, a man who was demon possessed, and certainly not the Messiah, some claim to be. And so the centurion, the centurion, the religious tension that was there between the Jews and this man Jesus. In fact, the Jews had brought Jesus to their leaders, the Sanhedrin, and in a watchtime, a illegal trial, people had condemned him as being worthy and worthy of the death. He would have known how he had been, 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 how
the Romans, what happened to that Jesus said that he was one of many gods, many gods. You see, being a Roman, he was surrounded by people around the many many gods and many goddesses. Gods who they looked for their gods and their eyes, their hair, their battery, their voice, and so on. And they also worshipped the emperor as a god. They carry that same thing as Roman. For example, men like Augustus and Nero, this way of knowledge, as a son of God. So it wasn't that this man lived and was surrounded by people who were not wasting, but rather one where men were considered many gods and sons of a god. There were altars and temples of various gods all around them. If you've seen the movie Prisoner, it's about a Roman prisoner who is sent to investigate how investigate how his physical body disappeared from its tomb. And in the movie, Flavius, uh, the Roman tribune, worships the god Mars. He has a shrine there, he has a shrine there. And in a conversation with Pilate early in the film, he says that he prayed exclusively to Mars, to which Pilate responds by saying, he prays to the Roman god, the Roman god, for wisdom. The point being, of course, that gods were part of the holy day life among the Romans. So when the centurion says, truly this man was the son of God, was he saying really that he was one of many gods? Was he acknowledging that he is a human part with Caesar, with Caesar, with Nero, the emperor, and were also gods, also gods? And my friend, the answer clearly is no. And one of the reasons I say that is that I know it's a language, there is no article about centurion science. If there was, it could be translated as being the son of God. But not having the article, the actual translation should be, truly, this was God's son. That's how the picture is translated. Truly, this was God's son. And this is exactly what the centurion says. This was God's son. But even then, I guess some Kudagis, some Kudagis or Jesus as a son of God, but the Roman emperor was considered to be. But that's impossible too, because culturally and emotionally, that would be unacceptable. Why? Because emperors would not be followers of the body. They wouldn't be hundred crowns, they hundred crowns to Jesus. That was reserved for slaves, the rebelites, and especially despised enemies and criminals. Certainly not the emperors. So why would he consider a man of the cross to be no God? The blood and the mocking might be offensive and enormously. Why would an emperor or a become an object of shame and scorn so much so that people would spit upon him? You certainly wouldn't worship something someone like that as a god, someone in the crowd, someone in his hands, thought nails in his hand, they don't fear in his side. The fact that this happened to someone inside the centurion and to everyone else, that this was someone who is common, considered to be weak, weak. And so if the centurion we consider Jesus to be the son of God, as he did the emperors, then we would have to be able to have to be questions. Why would any God allow his son to become his son death through such an ordeal? The gods were real, gods were real, destroy those who strike the harm. The son of a God, the crucified son of God, son of contradiction, returns to the Roman religion. But the fact is that this concession of the lips of his heart and soldier is here as a result of observing and hearing Jesus in Christ's crucifixion. All that he had heard of Jesus and his ministry as well. By hearing the words, hearing the words, and seeing how he dies, seeing how he explains, truly, this man is God's son, is God's son. And using that word truly, he has a certain certainty and conviction that implies or argues or argues faith against man. So, the question remains, why is man the right to sign in the body of his words, of his centurion, for his viewers, for his people, and I today as well. I believe Matthew is pointing out that it's possible that it's possible to come to believe in Jesus as the Son of God by hearing the cross of Jesus. It's saying it's possible to believe in this Messiah, Jesus, the Son of God, by hearing about the cross. And that's why Matthew records it. All that the centurion had heard about Jesus and his ministry, his claims and so on, at the death of Jesus, the cross of Jesus, was from this confession of his commitments. And it changed his heart, his heart, Jesus. We saw him as he really is, as your son, your son who was crucified, for your sake, and for mine. And he responds with his amazing confession. He didn't just think that Jesus was God's son, God's son, or he didn't just believe in his heart that he was. He went further. He confessed it with his mouth. He too, he too, 
silence of Calvary and he said, truly, he said, truly, this man, this man is God's son, he's God's son. And so Matthew is saying that you and I, that you and I, like a centurion, he's saying that you and I, like a centurion, to the death of Jesus, and help him confess Jesus as the son of God, and believe in him, and you trust in him, and you trust in him. And you and I have finally had one more to go on than the centurion, than the centurion. We have the whole of the scriptures, all of the scriptures, about the Lord Jesus. And so I close by asking this question, what is your response to all of this? The events of Good Friday, the Good Friday, the response, we cannot be neutral about what happened to Jesus on that Good Friday. We are in one of two camps, two God's perspective. We are either for Jesus or we are against him. We are either knowing him in our lives or in our lives. All of humanity, all of humanity goes into those, only had a those. There is no offense in heaven, as far as God is concerned. The Bible does not allow for it. And so in an audience like this, there are those who know Jesus in their lives and those who can vote. Those who confess Jesus with their mouth, believe that he's God's son, and seek to follow him, seek to follow him, those. You see, to confess and acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God, God is to say He is God. For example, the Apostle Paul says that Jesus, that in Jesus, the fullness of the deity, the deity is to dwell. The writer of the Hebrews says that through Jesus, the world was created. What's what he's saying? That Jesus is God. Jesus is God. He is the radiance of God's glory on the very stand, the very nature. So, my friends, if Jesus is the Son of God, which He is, and I encourage you to know Him and to have a personal, intimate, trustful, saving fellowship, why? That's how you can design eternal life. So I'm asking, so I'm about your response to what I've said so far. I want to first address those who don't follow Jesus and follow his sins, and then those who do. What does it mean? What does it mean? Jesus in your life. If you're here this morning and you don't know him or confess him in your life, you're just someone who you see as a person he has to follow, and he has no place in your own life, then let his life firstly, the Bible declares, God declares that you are still in your sin. And you're not saved, and you're heading for eternity. Perhaps you just see yourself as someone who is neutral and does not want to commit a Christ. You're sitting on the fence. When that's the case, the Bible says you are in a state of rebellion against God. Not that you may consider yourself to be actually rebellious against God. But if that's you, then the scripture says that you remain in that state, in that place where you don't want to follow you, you are Jesus. Irrespective of what you consider yourself to be, some person and so on and so forth, it's made that you are for him, I for him. Jesus said himself, whoever is not for him, whoever is not for him, against me. Yes, we've all sinned and broken God's law, His law, word, and deed, and children's story, broken his story. The Bible makes it very clear that very all have sinned and broken God's law. And the first step towards knowing God in your life is to acknowledge that we are sinners and to ask for forgiveness. In 2016, Maria Sharapova, Maria Sharapova, in 2016, was suspended as a result of and she maintained that she had intended and she had prescriptions about prescriptions which her doctor had prescribed and she got sick for the previous few years. And I know to her the drug had been added to the list of banned drugs a year before in 2015. She said she wasn't just aware of. Whether she was guilty, what she taken the substance. It's something to realize that she was However, she took full responsibility and so it might have been said this Acknowledging that it's every responsibility to know what they put into their body and to know and to know what is permissible. The first step, the first anyone to know the forgiveness and the love of God in their life is to acknowledge that you're a sinner and you need forgiveness in your life. Apart from that, apart from that remain, the type of rebellion and never know what it means to be forgiven by God and receive eternal life. Now you might say to me, well, there's a question in the middle of the head. I don't want it. But you see, that's only half the story. I was telling you the bad news. Well, let me tell you the good news. Because the good news is that while God declared that we are sinless, that we also did something so that we can move so that we can pass our being in sin to 
the vice of being seen by him, things visible by heaven, seen by heaven, seen. To be known and declared by God as the heaven, God has forgiven and pardoned and cleansed from sin, from sin of all, of all, for heaven. For heaven, I know you why, but to be for heaven, for you and I, and I, all the sinners that we are, sinners that we are. And the best part is that we don't have to learn that have you trust that and pardon. Because Jesus has done it all, has done it all. That's what he said on the cross, he said, accomplished, he's finished, he's finished. God confirms on us when we come to him and confess that we've sinned and broken his law and his law is forgiven. He freely forgives, he freely cleanses us, he freely, freely, freely rises, makes us, he makes us his people. That's the great message, that's the great message, that's the message, that's the message. That God is a loving God, is a loving God, who's made the move to save us and save us and save Christ in us and save Christ in us. For God so loved the world, so loved the world, that he gave, that he's one and he's one. God permits his son to go to the suffering, to go to the height of the people, to be near to a cross, he has fed upon him, but he's fed upon him, why did you, why did you, why Jesus accepts his punishment because God is loving us and seeking our forgiveness. It's the love of God in Christ Jesus. A reading theologian, Carl Barth, was once asked by a student if he could summarize his whole life to a whole theology for one sentence. Without hesitation, but this guy who was recognized as a prominent theologian in the world, he said this, he said, yes, I can do that, yes, I can do that. And it's in the words of the song I learned on my Bible. Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me. I know. For the Bible, for the Bible, he saw and that's perhaps something that's not the centurion for his understanding and make him say what he may say. Maybe hearing the words of Jesus from the cross, Father cross, Father them, brought him to say and to believe those words. See, the love of Jesus is by the cross. And friends, this is the power of the cross. That the Lord Jesus became saved for us. God heaped our sin upon him, our sin upon him by judgment. He started in our place. So that you and I can be saved and saved from our sins. And from the just punishment that he deserved for our sin, for our rebellion, and his God. That's the love of God visibly demonstrated in the cross of Jesus. And God says to you, actually, you are loved. You are loved. And we can embrace what he's done by confessing Jesus as Lord in our life. Like the centurion, the centurion confesses him in their life, also life. Listen carefully to what the Bible says about this. It says in Romans 10, a message concerning faith that we proclaim is this. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, and God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In other words, your mouth will confess, but your heart has mind believes in mind. A Christian, Christian, a Christian is one who confesses Jesus, not only with his mouth, but with his life, but with his life, he seeks to live for him in our world. A Christian's word will reveal what he or she believes in his life. In other words, belief in your heart comes before confession with your mouth. And so the crucial part in regard to what I've been saying is that you believe that you right to trust. It's the same word in the same You believe in Jesus to save you. Acknowledge that he alone and that he will sin and save you. And then turn from your sin and follow him as Lord of your life. That is the gospel in a nutshell. Of course, when you place your faith in him, you just acknowledge that the centurion is that he, the Son of God, the Son of God, that's who God declares in the world, declares himself. So the centurion's word is that first word Friday challenges you, challenges you don't know Jesus in your life. And then this confession that you say to the centurion also speaks to us, speaks to us to follow Christ, follow Christ. So I'm speaking now to those who love God, who want to be on before night, and we too are called to confess Jesus. And there are many ways and many ways that we can do that as a Christian, as a Christian. And we confess him by my name, we live in a crazy world, a crazy world. Christianity is gone there, it's gone there. Things of Christ, things of Christ are ridiculed. Christians are ridiculed. And yet we are called by the Lord. We are called by God Himself. We are called by Christ and our Christ. Do not be ashamed of it. Be willing to speak up. Be willing to speak to others and tell others that we are Jesus' people. That's the call. That's the call. In our day and time, especially in our day and time. And we live in a walk in the world of Pessoa culture. How do we do that? How do we do that? It says, Whoever will confess me before men, speak, him will I confess before my Father in heaven. You stand up for Christ.
stand up and question in your mind, question your knowledge, and your experience. Irrespective of what you might find or what else you do, I expect you to do that. So the question is, are you doing what you are you doing to do that? Wherever you are, wherever you are, your friends, your work friends, wherever God is pleasuring you. It's also Paul declared that he's going to shine with the gospel, but it's the power of God, the salvation of everyone who believes. And that's not something that comes in and not causing to be practiced down by difficult life. Because stand up in the corner, stand up in the corner. But Jesus says, in my view, it's still And I know that you'll be amazed at my strength and the joy and the choice as long as you do so. Irrespective of the circumstances which we will face as we confess Christ, confess Christ. The story is told of a story of Jesus and his disciples. And this guy was the simplest disciple. No one else knew. No one else knew he was a Christian, but he was a Christian. He was too scared to let people know that people know that he has decided to kill Christ. But being like that cannot last and cannot last. Because either the secrecy of the discipleship or the discipleship of the discipleship of the secrecy of the secrecy. And that's what happened. That so happened that on the first one at university, he noticed a girl who was hunting the person who was hunting. And she was holding a handful of Christian literature and bearing badges on her and indicating that she was a Christian. And she was working her way down the line offering the past of those sitting in the corridor. And she finally came to describe it. And she gave him her little And without thinking, he said, thank you. He said, I am a Christian. I am a Christian. And that's all he said. And that's all that's enough for him to experience a welling up of joy in him because he had confessed to someone for the first time that he belonged to Jesus. And that's what you and I are called to do. And I are called to do as we belong to Christ. To unashamed, to unashamed, impressive with our lips. And not just with our lips, but our lives, why we live, our love for people, our relationships, our willingness to forgive others, to so on and so forth, so on and so forth. We got the people, we got the Jesus people, Jesus with glory. I close by saying that there are others who are around us who are not going to die. There are those who believe, and there are those who remain, and there are remain. So where do you stand? So where do you stand? So you up to the cross for the death of Jesus. So if you want a life that goes right through Christ, or in the end, heaven itself, heaven itself cannot bypass, bypass. It cannot ignore, cannot let Jesus take any confusion in the cross. Why? Because it's through the death of Jesus that God will forgive us sin. It's through the death of Jesus that you are reconciled to the Lord. It's through the death of Jesus that you and I are saved. May God give us grace. We embrace this wonderful Jesus. We embrace this wonderful Christ. And it's a dream that we're all in this life. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you for the events of Good Friday. We thank you that you made him your son who knew no sin. We sin on our behalf. That we might be the righteousness of God in him. We praise you. We praise all that you've done for us and for us. And Lord, we pray that if you only want to be who's outside of Christ, decided by your spirit and your spirit, that you would strive with him or her and bring them to a point where they are May they come and know and love the Lord Jesus, put to know, put to know, and all his goodness. We pray in his name.